I'm going to share a few things with you, and then we're going to have our worship team come back. Our service today is, of course, it flows a little bit differently, but our hope is that you'll be able to open your hearts to what the Word says today. Why don't you pray with me? Lord Jesus, may you just have your way right now in this moment. Holy Spirit, we invite you to open our hearts to help us, God, to hear your voice. In Jesus' name, amen. My sermon today is every bit of a half page long because the Christmas story really does tell itself. There's so many wonderful things that took place over 2,000 years ago. And when you really think about it, our calendar is based on this event in human history. B.C., before Christ, A.D. speaks of after death. And I know that secular society has tried really hard to take away the Christian roots of everything. But let me just remind you that God is the creator of it all. And we find his fingerprints in the story of humanity. It's our story. Jesus stepped out of heaven to put on flesh. The creator became creation So you and I could have a relationship. Why? Because it was broken by sin. In the beginning of the story of humanity, we find Adam and Eve in a garden making a decision to follow their pride, to try to become like God. And so the solution that had to be brought is God had to become like us in order for us to have a relationship restored. It's one of the greatest miracles if you think about it. And it takes a lot of faith to believe the fact that Jesus, who is described as the Word in in John chapter 1, Jesus, the one who was there in the beginning, that, that the Word was sent forth and the words let there be light, that's the same Jesus, the the little video clip that we just watched about oh, the baby Jesus is cross Jesus? Isn't it so true that people have separated the two events? Because for me to accept baby Jesus as a real event in human history, which by the way, extra biblical sources point to that again and again and again. That baby Jesus is cross Jesus, is resurrection Jesus, is eternal life Jesus. It makes me say, wait a second, if I'm celebrating Jesus' birth, then I also need to come to grips with the fact that I need him as a savior. In our sermon series, Make Room, we've talked about make room for the stranger. We've talked about make room for the shepherds. Today, I hope, I pray, that before we leave here, that everybody in this room has made room for the Savior. What that means is at some point, at the end of your own understanding, faith has to come. 
and take over. Friend, I want you to know that you can never understand the gift of salvation. It is something you accept by faith. You can never understand how a God that is holy sent his son to die for you because you probably know yourself. You probably may, if you think about it, have a hard time understanding and wrapping your head around the idea that someone could actually love you unconditionally because if someone that knows you and knows the most deep secrets about your life and still loves you, let's just be honest, all of us have secrets. All of us have a past. But God knows all of it. And God still loves you. Some of us have this tension within us that if the people that love us and the people that we connect with, that if they only knew about our past or about our our sin or about our story or about all of the things that the burdens that we've been carrying, if they only found out about those things, maybe they wouldn't love us. And that may be true. But we serve a God that loves us without condition. And let me remind you that making room for the Savior is incredibly important, not just for here and now, because I believe it will have blessing today, but I believe more than that, it's eternal life. Humanity, as the Bible says, has eternity within their heart. In other words, we all have a beginning. It was the day we were born, the day that we were conceived. But all of us have eternity within us. Where we'll end up for that eternity, heaven or hell, is yet to be determined by our decision. Make room for the Savior. Today I'd like to look at three different persons or three different people, groups. The wise men will be the last ones, the magi. Mary and Joseph we'll talk about first. And if you have your note sheets, you could follow along with me. Number one. In order to make room for the Savior, Mary needed to make room for faith. Mary needed to make room for faith. Now, I'll be the first to admit and even to warn that we cannot put too much emphasis on who Mary is because Mary is not God. God used Mary the same way that he could use you and I. We don't have to ask Mary to ask the Father for anything. Because of the cross of Jesus Christ, we can go straight to the Father in heaven and enter boldly into the throne room, and that's what the Scriptures tell us. For us to ask somebody to ask God on our behalf is saying that the cross is not enough. Are you with me? I can tell you, if you were to to have to wait on this preacher to go to confession, you may be waiting a long time. You can go straight to Jesus. He is the forgiver of sin. He is the one that makes you whole and gives eternal life. I'm just a guy that makes mistakes just like you. And guess what? I go to Jesus when I need forgiveness. Amen? Let's talk about Mary. Nonetheless, I don't want to downplay Mary in such a way where she's not important to the narrative, to the story. Mary is incredibly important. She said yes to being used by God in a very miraculous way. And unique way. But the one thing she needed was faith. We find Mary, who is probably around 14 or 15 years old, in chapter 1 of the Gospel of Luke, 
going to read the text today, and I believe the scriptures will speak for itself. Beginning in verse 20, 26 of, verse, of chapter uh, 1, we see the birth of Jesus that's begin, being foretold. Luke 1, verse 26, it'll be on the screen if you'd like to follow along. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a village in Galilee to a virgin named Mary. She was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of King David. Gabriel appeared to her and said, Greetings, favored woman, the Lord is with you. Confused and disturbed, Mary tried to think what the angel could mean. Now, I'm going to stop right there for just a moment. Greetings, favored woman, the Lord is with you. Confused and disturbed, why? Well, first of all, there was an angel giving this message. How many of you guys would be confused and disturbed? But secondly, what was said surprised her. Favored woman, the Lord is with you. What? Why is this surprising to Mary? Because the Bible tells us for 400 years, God had been silent. There had been no prophets. There had been no miracles. There had been no teaching that inspired only the word of God that was already in place, the law and the religious leaders that would continue to add more and more things to the law with oral tradition. And by the way, that's not enough to follow the Ten Commandments. We've got more commandments and more commandments and more rules and more regulations and more law that you've got to follow in order to get close to God. For 400 years, no one had heard the voice of God. And here an angel tells Mary the Lord is with you. Is this the Lord that's been silent for 400 years? Mary, confused and disturbed. How many of you guys understand? You can say, I cried, and then you need to know, was it a good cry or a bad cry? This is both a good, confused and disturbed, and a bad, confused and disturbed, a, a shock, a surprise, but then a, oh my goodness, what's fitting to happen here? What is going on here? The Lord is with me? Yes! How? Don't be afraid. The angel continues. For you have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus. He will be very great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor David, and he will reign over Israel forever. His kingdom will never end. All of what this angel was saying was written in prophecies about the Messiah. And every good Hebrew and every good Jewish person, man and woman and child, was taught from a very early age, the Messiah is coming, and this is what it looks like. And I just imagine Mary's excitement, her head, is, her head is about to pop, knowing that, wait a minute, son of most high, wait a minute, ancestor of David, wait a minute, a throne and a kingdom that will never end. Is this the Messiah? And I'm involved. And that wasn't even the 
quote-unquote scary part for Mary yet. Verse 35, I mean verse 34. Mary asked the angel, but how can this happen? I am a virgin. The angel replied, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the baby to be born will be holy and he will be called the Son of God. What's more, your relatives, Elizabeth, has become pregnant in her old age. People used to say she was barren, but she has conceived a son and now is in her sixth month for nothing. Say nothing. What does nothing mean? In the Greek, in the Hebrew, in the original languages, in Aramaic, pick one. Nothing means nothing. Nothing is impossible with God. In this moment, Mary had a choice. Do I believe? Do I have faith? Or do I say pick someone else? Would it have been possible for Mary to say no, of course? But she didn't. And we're talking about Mary today because she had faith. She made room for faith. But how many of you guys understand, sometimes it's hard to believe and you need another nudge. You need another call. You need maybe even another message. So as Mary may have been having doubts within her and said, how can this be? I'm only a virgin. The angel pointed to her cousin, Elizabeth, that said, this lady is old. And here's a miracle. Look upon it. Friend, I want to tell you something. Your story may drive faith in someone else's heart. I love being able to step into this pulpit and talk about people in a good way. I have fun talking about people in all kinds of ways, but I I love being able to tell testimonies of God's goodness in people's lives. Why? Because somebody in this room is gonna be encouraged by someone else's story because if you can hear that God did it for them, then God God can do it for me. And here we have little Mary Nothing is impossible with God. Mary responded, I am the Lord's servant. May everything you have said about me come true. And then the angel left her. See, Gabriel's assignment was to bring a message, not to do the miracle. I also want to encourage you, don't put too much credit on who the angels are. Let's not forget the God that made the angels too and sends them for an assignment. In our society, they do everything they can to take away focus and attention off of Jesus Christ. Because if we can get them talking about guardian angels and this and that, then they're not talking about Jesus. Are you with me? Gabriel's awesome. He did a great job. But his job was not to do the miracle. His job was to speak of the miracle. In the same way, saint, I want to tell you, when you're praying for healing for someone, it's not your job to heal, it's God's. Well, what if they don't get healed? Pray the prayer of faith anyway, amen? Mary made room for faith. It's our responsibility to make room for faith. To say, God, if you could use that one and that one and that one, you can use me, and I can make room for it. You see, Mary needed to obey God's call. Number two, Joseph Joseph needed to make room for ridicule. 
the Gospels have different parts of the Christmas story, and so when we put them all together, we get the full narrative of everything that happened. And if we flip over to Matthew chapter 1, we find in verse 18 an interaction with Joseph and an angel. Matthew chapter 1, 18 through 24. Joseph needed to make room for for ridicule, make room for ridicule. I've heard it said that religion is a crutch, that some people just need it to get through life. And then I've also heard it said that I need Jesus to get through life and there's a joke out there that you need Jesus to go to where? Walmart. You with me? <laughs> religion is not my crutch. It's, religion isn't what I live my life by. Jesus is my everything. And I don't just lean on him. I lean on him unashamedly. Man, you need Jesus to get through? Yes. Every single day. Joseph needed to make room for ridicule. In Matthew chapter 1, verse 18, it says, This is how Jesus the Messiah was born. His mother, Mary, uh, his, his mother Mary was engaged to Joseph. So they were engaged. Engagement in those days looked differently than today. It was a much more serious commitment. I know it's serious today, but people didn't stop after they were engaged. It was a done deal. All that was left is the wedding party. Mary was engaged to be married to Joseph, but before the marriage took place, while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. Joseph, her fiancé, was a good man and did not want to disgrace her publicly, so he decided to break the engagement. Literally, the word is divorce her quietly. As he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, son of David, the angel said, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife. The child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit. She will have a son, and you are to name him Jesus, and he will save his people from their sins. All of this occurred to fulfill the Lord's message through his prophet. Look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. When, Jesus, Jesus, when Joseph woke up, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him and took Mary as his wife. But he did not have sexual relations with her until her son was born, and Joseph named him Jesus. Why? Did Joseph have to make room for ridicule? Because he was saying yes to marrying a woman who was pregnant before the wedding. He was saying yes. Now in those days, this was something in their community, in their society, world, word traveled fast and there was a lot of scrutiny. I don't know if you know, but the plan of God is that you are to get married and then have children. But God has also made room and forgiveness that if it happens before or outside of the bonds of wedlock, I do not believe any child is a mistake. Hear me. But I also believe God has established a process 
in which we are to honor and walk through. Joseph knew that he was going to make room for ridicule because baby Jesus was going to be born. She was going to be pregnant before the wedding. And he was going to have to answer the question. It was the Holy Spirit. It was the Holy who? Right? The Holy Spirit wasn't a thing, but was becoming a thing in the narrative of the gospel. Oh, no, 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 God did it. What? We hadn't heard from him in 400 years. Are you with me? God told me to follow him in the call to missions. God told me to give this gift towards a ministry. God told me to pray for you in the middle of a grocery store. Who told you to pray for me? You see, Joseph opened himself up for ridicule because he didn't care what the world said. We are not called to impress the world. We are not called to make happy the world around us. We are called to honor God and to obey his voice every single day. And Joseph said yes to the ridicule that he would, he would hear, that he would follow that he would have to I, I think of this way Joseph signed up to be the earthly father of the son of God if you've ever felt that God has called you to do something that you feel underqualified for in your life, it does not hold a candle to this assignment. I mean, can you really just, can you grasp that with me for a moment? And so if somebody comes to me and says, hey, I, I feel like God's calling me to this, but I don't feel like I'm capable. Okay. Let me tell you about Joseph. Amen? Amen. He signed up for ridicule. What was the ridicule? Is he was gonna mess up. He was flawed. He wasn't perfect. Mary wasn't perfect. Jesus is perfect. I'll do my best, and that's all God has called him to do. But he made room for ridicule. Friend, I want you to understand something. This Christmas, I want you to make room for faith, to make room for ridicule. Who cares what that family member says at Christmas this year when you tell them, hey, listen, I gave my heart to Christ. I have accepted by faith the gift of salvation that flows from the cross. And I believe on him. Are you kidding? You believe on what? I believe in science. And you believe in Jesus? No, I believe in Jesus. And I also believe that Jesus created all the science. See, Joseph needed to accept God's assignment. Friend, we have a decision to make today. Will you say yes to make room for the Savior? Lord, I pray you'd anoint our time. These moments we have left in worship and in the Word. Do what only you can do. In Jesus' name, amen. Remain seated and allow the Holy Spirit to speak to your heart during this song.
family went and lived in a town called Nazareth. This fulfilled what the prophets had said. He will be called a Nazarene. you're saying here I mean this story is the reason for Christmas I mean sure your mom and I love to give you the gifts and there's the Christmas music the food and the movies but without the birth of Jesus there is no Christmas do you know why the story is important because Jesus is born but what's so important about Jesus he's God with us that's right Jesus was born just like any other human being, but he was different. He was God as a human being. What does that mean? That means he was perfect. He never sinned, and when he played games with his brothers and sisters, he never cheated, and he never lost his temper when he lost or he got made fun of. And as he got older, he began to teach. And since he was, since he was God, he was able to heal the sick, and control like the wind and the weather. God says that if we break even one of his commands, we can no longer have a relationship with him. But if we put our faith in Jesus, he will take all that sin away from us. And then we can have that relationship with God again. And as, as Jesus um, took our place on the cross, and um, so the wages of sin is death. But God wanted to provide another way for us to live. But the best part is, is that that's not the end. On the third day, Jesus rose from the dead so that we can have eternal life. Oh, oh, and, and listen to this. Romans 8, 11, The Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. And just as God raised Christ Jesus from the dead, he'll give you life to your mortal bodies by, by this name, the Spirit living within you.
You know, we talk about the story of the gospel that begins in Genesis and flows all the way through. One of the most cool discoveries of my ministry life is to discover who the Magi were. Wise men from the east, the Bible calls them. The text is found in Matthew chapter 2. But before I talk about what they did, I'd like for you to see the fingerprints of God once again on the story. It's been several weeks now since we preached a message on Daniel, who was part of the wise men in the Babylonian Empire. History shows us that Daniel took on the responsibility of being the chief wise men, also known as Magi, in that kingdom. Daniel, being a Hebrew, knew the prophecies that pointed to the Messiah being star of Bethlehem and prophecies that led about the Messiah's birth. So when we find the Magi showing up in Matthew chapter 2, I want us to remember that it goes all the way back to Daniel. The same Daniel that was in the lion's den trained the Magi to keep watch for a star because the Messiah was going to be born in Bethlehem. And in chapter 2, it says, Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the reign of King Herod. And about that time, some wise men, magi, from eastern lands arrived in Jerusalem asking, where is the newborn king of the Jews? We saw his star as it rose, and we have come to worship him. King Herod was deeply disturbed because when he heard this, as was everyone in Jerusalem, he called a meeting of the leading priests and teachers of religious law and asked, Where's the Messiah supposed to be born? In Bethlehem in Judea, they said, for this is what the prophet wrote. And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are not least among the ruling cities of Judah. For a ruler will come from you who will be the shepherd for my people Israel. Then Herod called a private meeting the wise men, and he learned, uh, with the wise men, and he learned from them the time when the star first appeared, and then... He told them, go to Bethlehem and search carefully for the child. And when you find him, come back and tell me so that I can go and worship him too. After uh, After the interview, the wise men went their way and the star that they had seen in the east guided them to Bethlehem. It went ahead of them, stopped over the place where the child was. You know, sometimes we read through this and just kind of go right by it. A star stopped over the place where the child was. Have you seen a star move and stop over anything before? I mean, let's not forget who God is. And and sometimes, and sometimes we get so concerned because that person don't like us at work. And this is the God that can make stars stop. Is anybody here today? Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. 
The star stopped over the place where the child was, and when they saw the star, they were filled with joy. They entered the house and saw the child with his mother, Mary, and they bowed and worshiped him, and they, get, they opened their treasure chests and gave him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. When it was time to leave, they returned to their own country by another route, for God had warned them in a dream not to return to Herod. Listen to me. This wasn't just, we think it's three wise men because there were three gifts. This wasn't just three guys in a pop-up camper making a road trip. This was an entourage. This was, when they say treasure chest, that's what they mean. There was the little, the little wise man that was up here in the play. He's so cute. He had, the, he had the purple robe on and he had his treasure chest. This, I mean, I picture treasure chests like this, these things were massive. They got them on camels. King Herod is stressed out. Why? Because their biggest threat, Persia, the east, was sending an entourage to honor a king who wasn't him. Wait a minute. There's another king in my town, in my area. So Herod gets all political on him and says, hey, let me, let me know where he is so I can go worship him. His plan was never to worship Jesus. We know if we continue to read on, we understand that Herod calculated when the star appeared so he could kill every two-year-old in Bethlehem. Every two-year-old male child Herod killed in Bethlehem to get to Jesus. Because he didn't want to be threatened by a new king. We find the Magi coming and bringing three gifts. The three gifts are important. They represent something. Gift of gold represents royalty. The gift of frankincense represents the priesthood. And the gift of myrrh was what was used to anoint people after their death. I don't know if you've ever got a gift at Christmas time that you just didn't want. I mean, what if under the tree or in the stocking was a prepaid grave plot at the local cemetery? Oh, thank you. I mean, I know we're supposed to plan ahead, but, but that's what myrrh was. It was used to embalm. And they gave, it was also very expensive. And they gave it. And I always picture Mary as this person because the scripture even tells us that she pondered these things in her heart when we talked about the shepherds last week. I always picture her as this thoughtful person that takes this gift of myrrh. Baby Jesus is, is you know, oblivious to it at that moment. What, what is this for? Is this me? That this child that I've been blessed miraculously with, I'll have to say goodbye to someday. That this child will die before I do. Every parent will tell you that's one of the hardest things for any parent to have to go through. Yet the gifts were given 
They represented something. And in number three in your note sheets, it says the the Magi needed to make room for the journey. On my notes, I I have here in parentheses, right next to journey, the word time. They needed to make the time for the journey. The Magi were important people. They were counted on by government and officials and and their, their own kingdom. But when the star showed up, they dropped everything because this was more important. And sometimes we have to be reminded that when God says something, we've got to put it first. We've got to make time, room for what Jesus is calling us to do. The Magi made room for the journey. They needed to follow God's leading. As we read through this story, we understand that these, very, these most important diplomats and people from a foreign kingdom come and bow the knee and give the gift and give homage to a baby in a manger. Huh. But even they didn't come before the shepherds did. So we talked about that. The Bible tells us that these magi went home by another route. And here's where my head is, just so you know. They made room for the journey. But friend, I'm not talking about the journey to go see Jesus. I'm talking about the journey that started when they had seen Jesus. You see, when you have been in the presence of Jesus, something changes. And the thing that they had been watching for for so many years happened. And I can guarantee you that when they went back, everybody found out about this Messiah. And the seeds were planted in a Gentile kingdom. Like the Ethiopian eunuch in the book of Acts. Like the Syrophoenician women who came to Jesus and said, please, my daughter, help me. Jesus said, I'm here for Israel, not for Gentile nations. And she, she came back to him and said, but, but please, Please, even dogs eat the scraps that fall off the master's table. And that made Jesus say, hey, you got faith, sister. It's not exactly what it said. (laughs) And because of your faith, go home, your child as well. You see, (laughs) we find ourselves living in a time of history that's so blessed and so anointed and so open in the sense of the gospel of Jesus Christ, that we don't have to go through all of these obstacles and jump through all of these hoops to find salvation. We don't have to make sacrifices every year at the temple. We just have to say yes to Jesus and begin a journey that lasts a lifetime. That's the other thing I want you to understand today. This preacher will never tell you 
Come up here to an altar and say a prayer, and that's all you got to do. Go home. Because that isn't all you have to do. The book of Revelation is pretty clear. As the letters are to the churches that says, to him who endures... To him who endures. What does that mean? That means that it is a journey. It is a life decision that I will give my life to Christ. We, we use the word Jesus lives in our hearts and it sounds cute and it sounds fun. And as a children's pastor, that's the only way I could describe it. But literally what we are doing is we are saying that we are no longer in charge. The heart is the seat of my emotions. And now Jesus is in charge of all of it. So for me to have him come into my heart is for me to say, you, Jesus, are in charge. You know what's better for my life. In order for me to make room for the Savior, I've got to throw some things out. And so many times we invite Jesus in and just move the clutter to the side. You're okay. You're, let me just, I got a trundle bed over here. And I'll just move all my boxes off of the trundle bed just to make room for you. Because, you know, what we're saying to Jesus in that moment is I don't expect you to be here very long. The clutter's gonna take back over my life. The sin, the addictions, the habits of my past are gonna push you out again. Friend, I want you to understand, in order to be full of the Holy Spirit, you gotta be empty of yourself. You've got to. You've got to just say, everything within me, God, that doesn't honor you has got to go. And in order for me to make room for Jesus, I've got to get rid of my flesh and my sin and all of these things I've been carrying with, my, with me for all of my life. Pastor, you don't understand. Since I was 13 years old, I've had this issue. I've had this problem. You don't understand. For 30 years, I've had this issue. I've had this problem. You don't understand what that person did to me. I can never forgive them. I've got to hang on to that. That bitterness, it keeps me going. That unforgiveness, I've got to, I, 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 I hate them, Pastor. I can't let go of that. Pastor, you don't understand. I've got to make room for all this junk. I'm telling you, it's killing you, both physically today and eternally later. Making room for the Savior says no to everything the devil wants to do in your life and yes to what Jesus wants to do. The Magi made room for the journey, but their journey started after they met Jesus. Today, your journey can start. If you're here today and you find yourself in a place where you've just got all this junk, you walked in here, you, right now, there's all kinds of butterflies going on in your heart and your spirit. It's stirring up. It feels like you're getting ready to get on a roller coaster for a first time. Right now, you have an opportunity to say no to the voice of the enemy that says you're not worthy, that says nothing's gonna change, that says you're gonna walk out of here the same you walked in, you have an opportunity to say no and to silence that voice forever. Because the power of the Holy Spirit by making room for Jesus in your life can change you right 
now. And I pray that boldness would be in the room. So if you're here today, there's a call for salvation that I'm going to invite you for. But there's also a call for freedom. You may have committed your heart to Christ and things have gotten in the way again and again. I'm telling you right now, the Spirit of God is here to set you free forever. If you can't take it into heaven, I believe right now God's not going to let you take it out of this room. Mm. I want to say that again. Because if you can't take it into heaven, bitterness, envy, pride, addiction, I believe if you will make room for faith like Mary did and make room like Joseph did for ridicule, Nobody's going to ridicule you. But make room for the Savior. Something can change today. And listen, I love Jesus. I'm walking out of here full of the Holy Spirit and excited for what God's going to do next. But I'm talking to you. You have a chance to walk in that joy. So I'm going to count to three in just a moment. And there's two groups of people I'm going to ask to stand up right where they're at. Those that say, I want to receive Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior right now. I want to make room for the first time. And those that say, I walked in here with nonsense and clutter and issues in my life. And I need Jesus to set me free. I need the Holy Spirit to take it all. And I want to walk out of here free from all of that. Number one, I want to give my heart to Jesus Christ. I want to give my life to him. Number two, I want to be free from this nonsense forever. On the count of three, if that's you, stand up. One, two, three, right now. Lord, I pray you would cast down the spirit of pride in this room in Jesus' name. That we would approach you with humility. Knowing, oh God, I know, oh God, that there are people in this room hurting. They're hurting. And Lord, I believe that as a, a stance in faith is a move toward freedom. Right now, set somebody free. In Jesus' name. No count of three, just stand up. If that's you, come on, stand up. Man, I see tears all over the room. Get up. Get up. The devil wants to keep you in your seat, and God wants to set you free right now. Don't let that devil lie to you anymore. Be free in Jesus' name. Prayer team, move. Let's go. There's people standing up all over the room. They need somebody with them. We're not done yet. There's still people that need to get up. I believe it with all my heart. The prayer team's just going to come and put a hand on your shoulder and love on you. That's it. Last opportunity. You need to be free. Stand now. Stand now. Stand now. Thank you, Lord. Church family, pray. Pray with me. Agree with me. Now, Lord God, I pray right now in Jesus' name that freedom would flow through this room. Lord, that there would be 
a sense right now, Holy Spirit, that you're moving in miraculous fashion. That years and years and years of addiction, that years and years and years of, of bitterness and of problems, and even of pride of doing it our own way, that it would melt away right now in this moment. In Jesus' name, do what only you can do. Do what only you can do. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Just be still right now. Just be still right now. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Church, just continue to be in prayer. Hallelujah. 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 Yes. We love you, Lord. Pray for healing with me. Lord, I pray. I pray for Susan, Lord, and the report of the doctors, God, that you would touch her heart and bring healing to her body, that that valve would be restored to function the way you created it to function. Lord, for Rachel, who's in the hospital right now, touch her body and strengthen her. Hallelujah. Have your way, Lord. Jesus name. Hallelujah. 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 Jesus, 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 Jesus. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Oh, my heart. Heart is full. Thank you so much, Lord. Thank you so much. We know it ain't about the gifts and the food and all this stuff. This is what it's about. Jesus came for these things. Eternal matters. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Yes, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I promise you, That at greater life, if you're here today and you're grappling with that decision of faith, we do not manipulate, we don't want to manipulate, but I promise you this, you'll have an opportunity Sunday after Sunday to find Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. And you'll find an opportunity Sunday after Sunday to have people pray with you for miracles. I believe that God is only beginning the journey with this body. Amen? We got work to do.